Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes, that's our prayer, Lord. Come down and fill us. You're here, and we know you're moving. And we thank you, Lord. Come and fill us now. Lord, your word says that we're to call upon you and that you would come down, rend the heavens, dear God, and come down. Come down, Lord, and touch us, dear Lord. You're here, and we open our hearts to you, Lord. We need you. And we're in desperate need of you, dear God. The only one that can change our hearts, dear Lord, religion only kills, but the Spirit brings life. And so, Holy Spirit, come down and touch us. Rend the heavens, dear Lord, come down and touch us, O oh Lord, like you and you alone can do. That's our prayer today, Lord. We know, Lord, you're here. We know you're here. And we know, Lord, you're filling people in this place. We know, Lord, today that you're moving in our midst. You're moving in this church, dear Lord. And we're grateful and we praise you, Lord. And we ask you today, Father, that you would increase the work of your spirit throughout this body. That you would increase the work of your spirit as you move in power. Touch our lives, dear Lord. We pray today, Father, that although we know Pentecost came, and Lord, we know that the power of God fell upon them, the Holy Spirit, dear God, we're asking for even greater things because we know your word tells us that even greater works will we do, Father, because we know we have the truth. We're filled with you. And we pray, Father, today that you would send us forth. Isaiah caught a glimpse of you, Lord, and he was undone. And he said he lived amongst the people who were undone, Lord, and and, and the sinners, and, and we know the cherubim took the coal and touched to his lips, dear Lord. And Lord, he was cleansed. He was forgiven. And Lord, his next re response was, here I am, send me. That's our prayer today, Lord. You're filling us. You're doing things in our midst today, Father, that words cannot describe. No one can obviously put any description of them because, Lord, you're too big. You're too great. You're too awesome. You're too wonderful, dear God, today. You're too powerful. And so, Lord, today we just come open in our hearts to you and rend the heavens and come down, dear God, we pray. Father, we've heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. We're asking you, Lord, to renew them in our day, in our time, dear God. We've heard of you, Lord, and we stand in all of your deeds. And we're asking today that you renew them in our day and in our time. Bring an awakening like the world has never known. Your only hope, Lord. We're in desperation, dear God. You're the only one that can do that, can change our hearts, dear Lord. You're the only one that can change the church, dear Lord. And we're your body, dear God. We pray, Lord, today that you would do something so miraculous the world would take up, take notice of, and they would say, surely God is in this place. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day that we've come together to worship you. And we pray together, all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you all. Come down, Lord. Come and rest on us.
Come and find a place, a resting place. Come and tabernacle amongst us, O God. Come, Lord, take up residence in our hearts. We know you're here. But Lord, we give you full permission to come. Do whatever you want to do in this place. Lord, we're not in control here and don't want to be. We want you in control. And dear God, today, we pray today that the flames of revival would come forth, that burst forth from, from this building, dear God, from each believer's life, just like the tongues of fire landed upon those at the day of Pentecost, Lord. That the fire would come and fall upon us, dear Lord. Ignite our hearts with a passion and love. A deep, deep repentance, dear Lord. True repentance, dear Lord. That you and Yon can give. Give us grace to repent. And help us to fall before your throne of grace, Lord. Because you've invited us. And dear God, come in power. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay. All right. We're going to look at the rest of the Lord's Prayer. It's going to be Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. If you'd like to stand while we read it again, we love the word. Amen. I, I was sitting in Sabbath and in, uh, in Sunday school this morning listening to Nancy. And uh, I'm telling you, I just, I love, I stand before people so much. I love to sit under teaching. I love sitting under teaching, okay? Always have, always will. Because there's so much that God can speak to you, all of us, myself, so much of that. And so when you read the word of God, we are repeating what we read last week, yes. But let me tell you, we can repeat it throughout eternity. And I want to tell you the power that's in the word of God is beyond what we can imagine. So if you'd like to stand with me and read the word of God with me, we welcome you to. Okay. Verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with, your, with the trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. And on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Thank you. Amen. Let me just point out one thing on the hypocrites. When we stand and pray, Jesus is not saying that not to pray in public. Okay. He is saying that in that time, that personal time of prayer, we get in our prayer closet and we pray to our Father in heaven. But that doesn't say that we're not to stand before men and pray at all. That's not what that says. In fact, Jesus did that and he taught that uh, throughout scripture. But it's just basically saying the motive that you have. You want to be seen by men, then you receive the reward that you are that you think you've gotten from people because of the uh, the admiration from men that you've prayed in public like that. It's not to say we don't pray in public. In fact, we pray in corporate prayer is powerful, okay? And we pray corporately, okay? And we stand before you today, and that's why I invite you all, anybody that feels led when we pray. It's not a pastoral, yes, God's I'm pastor, but the issue is the fact that all of us are ministers, and all of us have a calling upon our lives, and all of us, God hears and loves to hear his children come before his throne of grace and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. And so when you pray, we come forward. I invite you always to pray, to always join us in prayer. You can say yes, and you can say amen, which means, Lord, may it be as you have said, but certainly we can pray. So I invite you always in the future to do that. All right, everybody here wants a happy and fulfilling life, right? I'd say, yeah, amen. Thank you, Jim. I want a happy and fulfilled life, okay? I want to share with you how to have that, okay? And actually, if you get down to it, it's in your prayer life. It's in your prayer life. Jesus was telling us and giving us a model here that's very important. And we know we prayed it here earlier. We prayed that. Pray the prayer. But what happens is you begin to pray it, and then you begin to branch off on things. God brings to mind things that you can connect with each part of this prayer. And the first parts that we talked about last week, we'll talk about the last parts today. We can use that. It's kind of like that just sets it up. It's kind of like an outline, so to speak, in that way. You're talking to the Father. God, Father hears us. But sometimes in that mix is things branch out from that prayer, things that we know that obviously we can bring before our Father, our Father who art in heaven. And so as I say these things today, I'm giving you a model of how I use this prayer. God is saying individually and personally, he can use you and obviously wants you to adapt it to your personal self. You don't have to do exactly what I'm saying at all. If you want to use that, certainly. And I'll give you something at the end of the service about a prayer for protection. And I'm going to share with you why I gave this. I'll give this handout today. But it's something that's a model that we can go by. And I want to tell you, it's powerful. Change your life. You want a happy and fulfilled life? All of us here begin to pray this prayer. If you begin by Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you go through that prayer. Go through it. I bless that in Jesus' name. But I want to tell you today, the times you would just stop on each section and you begin to talk to the Father. And remember last week we were talking about our Father who art in heaven. 
And I talked about the illustration of uh, Cindy and of my, our daughter, Allison, and she used to crawl up in my lap and, and she would look up at me and she would ask me for things, right? She'd look up and, and want this and that. And of course, when she looked up at me and said, Daddy, then it just melted my heart, right? Melt your heart. I mean, it's like, here, I'll give you the world if I could, right? Okay. And then we know at times we hold back because we know it's not good for them. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. But many times he'll give you those things just because you ask. He says you have not because you ask not. Okay, we ask. Much of what happens in the kingdom of God happens because we ask. We're asking the Spirit. The Spirit is here right now. He's moving amongst us. But we open our hearts and we ask him. We invite him. We ask him to touch us intimately and change our hearts. And so something happens because ask and it shall be given, obviously. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And then right behind that it's saying keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Okay? Always remember, a lot of what happens in the kingdom of God takes place by asking. We wait. He withholds sometimes things, I believe. Because we haven't asked him, maybe some, I don't know if this uh, correct theology or not, but I heard a pastor say one, one time that, you know, when we get to heaven, Jesus may take us over to this room and open the door and you'll see all those things that he had for us. We didn't ask for. He wants to bless us. How many here know that God wants to bless you? Amen. God wants to bless us. That's his heart towards us. Do you want to bless your children or your grandchildren? Let me tell you, obviously our grandson Rex, I mean, Cindy, Mimi has flipped out. She's lost her mind. And we know that over her grandson. But we lose our minds over our children, our grandchildren, don't we? We love to hear calls from them if they're adults, whatever it may be. You know, that contact there, that's our father. And yet he's our heavenly father. He's God almighty. And the veil in the temple was rent in two when Jesus said it's finished. Remember, so that we can come boldly into the throne of grace. And we can come, what, with confidence and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. So he wants to. And so you crawl up in his lap. And what do you say? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. I was praying this morning and I said, Lord, let your name. I want your name to be hallowed in my life today. I want your name to be hallowed in Lighthouse Fellowship today. I'm getting ready to go. I want your name hallowed in my family's life today. I want your name hallowed when I leave this church today in interactions with people here and beyond this church today. I want your name hallowed all over this world today. I want your name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. The 10,000 times 10,000 around the throne of grace that are singing, shouting, praising day and night when we get there. We need to get used to it, don't we? Right? Thank him for it, okay? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're going, wow, I thought that was just for when we go to heaven. Yes, it is. The fullness of that will be there when Jesus comes back again. But he says, pray that now. Pray that now. God's kingdom, and if y'all had noticed, God's kingdom is expanding right now. People are praying, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you today. All of us are in ministry in this place today. Everybody. Not just those that, you know, we know sort of like we're put in that place of leadership, certainly. But we know all of you are in that place. And God's kingdom is expanding. God's doing things. 
and it could be, you could be said visibly and, and very openly there at the revival is taking place amongst young people. Certainly like the, uh, <clears throat> the Jesus Revolution back in the 60s and 70s during that time, the hippies came to, the, to Jesus, obviously, and they came and got saved. And many, many people baptized there off the coast of California and beyond. We know that movement is still, obviously, today through Calvary Chapel and through other churches today. today. Not just through that particular church, but throughout the body of Christ. Do you believe that God wants to revive us is the question. Do you believe that's his heart towards his church? Do you believe when people humble themselves, he said that he'll give grace to the humble, but he'll resist the proud. When we say that we're in desperate need of the Lord, that we're in desperation right now, because we know the only answer to the issues that we see out here in society today is Jesus Christ and him crucified and him alone. Amen. Okay. And so we know today he's moving. He's doing something. He loves souls. Sunday school lesson, Nineveh, they repented. They finally repented. And it was through a reluctant prophet that they repent, repented. And yet God loved Nineveh so much that he obviously sent. And they repented and turned to the Lord. That's who our God is today. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In my life, in this church, in this city, in this nation, and beyond, in the body of Christ. I want everybody to come to know Jesus personally and intimately. That's my desire. One reason that I live is to make sure, and obviously any way that I can work with the Lord in His Spirit, partner with Him to be able to bring about His kingdom here on this earth. Jesus said, if I cast out demons in my name here, He said, then the kingdom of, of God has come upon you. So obviously we know that salvation, people coming to the Lord, the kingdom of God has come upon us. We know that healings take place. The kingdom of God has come upon us. We know that when you move deeper into a deeper walk with the Lord, the kingdom of God has come upon us. God's moving, folks. And it's exciting to me. And I know it's exciting to you. I pray the fire of God would fall on this church and fall in our lives to transform us, to do what He and He alone can do. So we come to this point here. Give us this day our daily bread. We know that certainly here. We're asking God to provide for our material needs. And I believe spiritual and emotional needs. We're asking God to do these things. We're asking our Heavenly Father to take care of us really. Just as a child looks to their earthly father, father to take care of them. We're asking God to take care of us, aren't we? Give us this day our daily bread. All of us can say, Lord, take care of me today. And we know we can look back over our lives. I can anyway. And I can tell you particular instances that God protected my life because I would have went out into eternity and I was walk, not walking with the Lord at that particular time. And I remember instances. I'll never, never forget it. And God spared my life because obviously I know something else. He was full of grace and mercy and he kept me. And here we are today. Let me tell you, when we ask him, give us this day our daily bread, we come daily. Remember the Israelites that were taken out of the land of Egypt? Remember, they, God said, I'm going to take care of you. Remember, the soles on their feet, on their shoes, didn't he wear out all that time. God took care of them. Hallelujah. Now, with this, let me just say to begin with, and I'll tell all of you know the story, is this was the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. We're under a much better covenant, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so 
when we look at this, and they obviously were supplied what they needed. And they had manna rain down from heaven. I don't know what manna was. There's not much speculation about it and all. But I guarantee you it was good. It was probably like this. I don't know about y'all, but I love Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Because I bet you just can't eat one. I eat one and then another and another. And then I go see my doctor and he says, Jim, you need to lay off those Rice Krispie treats, okay? But they're good. Aren't, don't you believe that manna from heaven is like those Rice Krispie treats, okay? And so God takes care, took care of them. But he said something that was very important. I think, obviously, it's a good reminder for you and me as we approach the Lord daily and actually moment by moment as the Lord leads us too. We need to have, obviously, I believe, a continual communion with the Holy Spirit of God, talking to him back and forth. We'll talk about that too in the future because I believe that fellowship. The Bible talks about communion with the Holy Spirit. It means fellowship with him. It means talking to him, coming and going wherever you are, talking to him, beginning and asking him, are we going in the right direction here? Guide me, direct me, whatever it may be. You talk to him. He's within you and he is with you. Jesus said, it's expedient that I go back to with, be with the Father. He said, but so he can send the Holy Spirit who will be in you and will be with you. We have the power of God living within us, we've got to realize. And when God obviously says, hey, I want you to step out in faith. I want to use you in a powerful way. Don't obviously in any way neglect what God wants to do in and through you. He will push you past your comfort zone. He will push you in places that you never thought he'd take you today. I love that song, Oceans, okay? If you read the words of that, take me beyond those borders where my faith is built up in the presence of the Lord. You read the words of that word. It's a contemporary Christian song. And it's obviously very, very, I think, powerful in what it says. Lord, let me walk by faith. Strengthen my faith in that way. Because obviously, he says at the end there, you know, that we are his and, and we are his and he is ours. And I love that too. Let me give you an example. When I did hospice, I met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, many people all over the city. And I walked into this lady's house one day and uh, she had a, a Spanish accent, Hispanic accent, but I knew it wasn't Mexican. And I said, uh, I asked her, I said, uh, where are you from? Your accent's different. And she said, Ecuador. I said, I thought so, South America. And she went on talking and I said, uh, where are you from? She said, outside of Quito. Well, we have friends in Quito, Ecuador. And so she began, we kind of made a connection, and I visited her over a period of time. But she told me what was happening there in the orphanages outside of the capital of Quito in Ecuador. Because in Ecuador, there are lots of children that obviously are put up for adoption. Same way here, but there are many that are there when they can't afford, the parents can't afford the children. And they put them in orphanages, okay? And they go in the orphanage, and she told me about what she and her daughter was doing. They actually would take socks and different clothing apparel and would send down there to the orphanage because it, their niece was the one that sort of oversaw the particular orphanage there outside of the city of Quito. It was a large orphanage. It had a lot of kids. And she told me about how the kids were fed. And every day they would go into town and get to the bakery. And the bakery would have leftover bread and different things that they would give to this lady to take back to the kids in the orphanages. 
And so the children were taken care of every day in this orphanage. Now, these kids, obviously, we know children are very precious in God's sight. Remember, Jesus said, don't push the children away from me. Let them come to me. Okay. Jesus always said, don't forbid the children from come from coming to me. Okay. So one particular incident happened was is that they brought bread back. And one of the little boys, I think he was 12 years old. He got a word of knowledge, got gifts of the spirit, one of the gifts of the spirit. He got a word of knowledge. God spoke to him and said, don't allow, don't eat the bread here. It has poison in it. Okay. And so the lady told us about what happened. The little boy shared it with the administrators there at the orphanage. I believe God spoke to me and said, don't, don't eat the bread. Well, see, this is some, there was that, that was their substance that we know that obviously they needed that because this is what they were living off of, that daily bread, okay, that was there. And so they were like, whoa. So they did not push past what that young boy said and got a word of knowledge on that. God spoke to him, and he said, don't eat that bread because it's got poison in it, okay? As it turned out, it did. And they had to throw out all the bread. Somebody was trying to kill the children. Do you know who that somebody was? The devil, just like the devil is trying to kill the children today, just like the devil is trying to kill the children today and confusing them as far as their gender is concerned and every other means. You see, the devil will hit the children. Always remember that, okay? Because he does not want a generation of, of children coming up knowing Jesus Christ and the love of Christ that obviously no one loves like Jesus loves, okay? And so he tried to get rid of him. But as it turned out, is we know that they did. They went back into town and they did have enough. And so it didn't affect those children there. But God warned them about that. But that was the daily bread that these kids got in that orphanage. And, and let me tell you, what happened in that orphanage? As that lady told me what was happening, there were so many miracles and supernatural things that were happening. There was somebody there in the nearby jail that oversaw the whole jail, the administrator there, whatever the title is in, in Ecuador and so forth. That actually, uh, uh, they had got a chance to witness to. They gave his heart to Jesus and the conditions in the jail and so forth were changed. A lot of things happened as a result of people depending upon the Lord for their daily bread. When we depend upon the Lord and say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Today. He's talking about today. I would rather say, Lord, give us this year our daily bread and I won't bother with you again. Isn't that the way sometimes we are? And so God has a reason for saying daily, coming back to him day in and day out. He may have a word for you that you didn't want to say until this time. God's timing is perfect, okay? And we know that. And so we've got to be ready. We've got to be prayerfully, I've kind of like used the word prayed up and understanding. God can speak today. He is speaking. And we've got to understand that when God speaks, we need to pay attention. And we need to obviously be obedient here. We can come to God with confidence in his faithfulness as we submit our request to him. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, And my God shall meet all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Always remember that. There's no shortage of supply with our God. 
Our God is abundant in all that he does. And a lot of times, I know the Bible talks about don't despise the day of small things. But let me tell you, our God's a big God. And our God can do anything. Our God heals. Our God delivers. Our God saves. And let me tell you today, God has prepared a place for you and me when we go to live with him throughout eternity. He can do it. There's nothing impossible with our God. Always remember that because the devil will hit you and say, nah, it's a little bit too big of a request for your God. You know, uh, I know he saved you and so forth. But let me tell you, the battle starts. You see, he's talking to the disciples here. He's talking to you and me here. He's not talking to unbelievers. This is the way believers are to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. We come to him casting our care on him, knowing that he cares for us. We know that. Cast those cares on him. Don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, don't be anxious about what? Anybody help me out? Anything. Anything. Does that mean something that looks too big for our God? Or does it mean anything? Does anything mean anything? Okay. I don't know about you, but I say, well, Lord, I know the word, okay? But when we get down where the rubber hits the road, somehow I'm like, but Lord, maybe what about this over here? What about the finances? What about when the rent comes due? Or what about when the gas prices are going up? Or what about this when it seems like inflation has taken over and all these other things are happening? What about this and that? Don't you know God knows all about it? But he says, don't be anxious about it. Why does he say, give us this day? Our daily bread. Because we're not promised tomorrow. He's going to give us enough to do right today. That'll take care of us. Keep us out of trouble if we stay busy in the, in the Lord's business and Lord's work. Okay. He doesn't say one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Amen. 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 So he's saying today, give us this day our daily bread. And we should ask in faith, knowing our Father's attitude towards us. Knowing that... It is his good pleasure to give us what? The kingdom. The kingdom. It's his good pleasure. I mean, give us the kingdom. Our inheritance is stored up in heaven. But our inheritance is here right now. Okay. The fullness of that is going to take place when we get to heaven, definitely. But he says he's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Give us the kingdom here. Again, think of yourself as a parent. What would you do for your son or daughter? What would you do for your grandchildren? Anything. It don't make any difference. It don't make any difference, right? Our Heavenly Father is beyond, way beyond that. No comparison here. And we all know that. David wrote in Psalm 37, I was young when I was young and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. <laughs> I've never seen that, David said. Why is he telling us this stuff? Because he wants you and I to trust him. Give us this day our daily bread. Ask and you shall receive. God has many ways of giving us what we need. Finances are down. Sometimes he gives us the money. Sometimes, obviously, he'll take care of the situation. Obviously, as I said, the soles of the Israelites' shoes never wore out. He can put a coin in the fish's mouth for you. He can even rain manna down from heaven if he chooses to that way. He's able and willing to take care of everything that you need. In Psalm 84, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give you grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
no good thing. Let's walk this stuff, folks. I can preach it. I want to tell you. But it's where I apply it, where God's spirit works it in my heart that I believe it so much that it works every day in my life. And so I don't worry or fret. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow I have enough worries of its own. Why don't we take that literally? Don't you know tomorrow? I don't know what will happen tomorrow. Live for today and God will take care of you. God created his people, spirit, soul, and body. He's concerned with all of our needs at every level. But remember this in James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. He's talking about take care of those who are destitute. He said do something. In other words, we talk it. Hey, we're in here and we got church today. Man, we're having church today. But he's talking about where really things happen is out here doing them, putting your, your mouth where your money is. Okay, where that, right? Do it. Do what God calls you to do, whatever it may be. There's a particular ministry here at Lighthouse Fellowship. There's a focus ministry. We're seeing that evolve more and more, I think, over the last few months, too. And so we can't do all the things. We do what God did. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Okay? I only do what pleases the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. That's why our prayer life is so important. What's the Father doing in your life? What's he doing in your family? I only do what the Father, what I see the Father doing. And then you don't get all out here doing all this stuff. It looks good. It's religious and it looks good and so forth. No, you do what God tells you to do. So he has a particular mission for Lighthouse Fellowship here. And it's a good mission. God will help us as we look to him. Obviously, take care of people in their natural and the natural here, just like God takes care of us spiritually, physically, and emotionally here. God loves obviously, with action and in truth. And he stoops down. Here you're talking about God Almighty, the one who spoke and, and spoke creation into existence. He spoke it. He is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. And he spoke, and everything came into existence and that. And let me tell you, what is fascinating to me, the scientists that somehow did not believe, obviously, in creation or the Big Bang Theory, so to speak, and all those things, a lot of them are coming to realize there was a supernatural being now, I believe that's the first step for them coming to realization that there's God Almighty and then there's Jesus Christ who died for our sins, certainly here. But they, don't, they didn't believe it. But if you think about it today, there are obviously billions of galaxies. The Milky Way is beyond what I can understand as far as out in space, how far that goes and how many light years that is. But there are billions of galaxies. And we serve the God who put them all in place. Hallelujah. Is there anything too difficult for me? The Bible says in Jeremiah, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. God's saying today he will take care of it. And our prayer is an expression of dependence upon God. It's a humble recognition that we obviously cannot take care of ourselves without him. A lot of people say, I'm a self-made man or self-made woman. No, you're not. God is there. And he allowed the rug to be pulled out from you and me or anybody else at any time at all. We cannot do that. We're dependent upon him for life and breath and everything else. Everything else. The second thing. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. First of all, we come acknowledging our own need of, of forgiveness here. Remember the story in Luke chapter 18. 
there between the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed, God, I thank you. I'm not like the other men robbers and evildoers and adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. In contrast to that attitude of self-righteousness, the tax collector would not even look up to heaven. He prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, right? And sometimes we look at other people and say, man, they have gone too far. Look at what they've done. We talked about it in Sunday school a little bit today. Nothing is too difficult for our God. Cindy and I were talking on the way here. Various experiences I've had in hospice, which were really a, a delight and a blessing. I give God the glory. But I remember, you know, a lot of times a lot of people will say that the older you get, the more difficult it is for you to come in, uh, to a saving uh, knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you get older, your heart gets harder and things come in and so forth. And I don't know statistically about that, but I know that God can do anything. And I was doing a funeral there on the on the Cal the Katy Free one day. I remember exactly where it was and also where I stood. And it was years ago. And I was sharing about the gospel there with a large group of people that were there. Usually grave sides are usually short, kind of small. And I was sharing with them. And uh, after this about Jesus and about accepting him, believing in him, putting your faith in him. And a lady came up to me after the service and she said, Jim. She said, I don't know you, and I knew such and such. You just got, you know, buried and so forth. You did, thank you, and all. But she said, my dad's here with us, and uh, he's a relative of this person and all. And she said, um, and he has heard the gospel presentation for years and years and years and has never made a decision for Jesus Christ. And he said, back there today, when you shared the gospel, he said, I believe. And I want Jesus to come in my life. Now, I give God the glory, okay? This is him. The timing of the Lord is mysterious to me. I don't know. But don't give up on someone you think is too far out there. Don't give up on that one that you're praying for. And you guys know what I'm thinking right now, too. Okay? Somebody you're praying for, Daniel, too. Okay? And others here. Daniel and I know. But don't give up on them. Keep praying. You don't know when God's going to take it and break through and they'll come to a realization of who Jesus Christ is and they're receiving and, and so forth. Your prayers have, are God's listening and God's going to answer those prayers. Don't give up. I know we have a personal choice, but when you've got people praying for you, let me tell you, I'd say it's amazing grace all the way through. It was amazing grace, I want to tell you. When I, and when I came back and I stepped back and said, Lord, I want you as my Lord and Savior. It was amazing grace today. Yeah, I know I made a choice maybe somehow in that. But mixed all in there, it was amazing grace. And it was all God. Hallelujah. It was all God. Can I explain it? Am I obviously uh, believing in predestination or am I believing Arminianism or all this other stuff? My goodness, the theology just confuses me sometimes. All I know that is Jesus Christ is Lord and he is so good. <laughs> and nothing is possible for with him. Okay. So he talks about here when we humble ourselves, just say, Lord, I need you. And he says he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. He said he'll resist you here. That tax collector was the one that, that God received. And we could say, hey, well, I tithe, Lord, and, you know, I go to church every week, you know, and, and I, I, I don't cuss or chew or go with girls who do, right? 
in 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our hearts. We repent. Christians repent too. We repent if we first came to Jesus, yes, but we repent throughout our walk with the Lord. Get alone. Say, Lord, show me. The Bible says, search me and try me and see if there's any offensive way within me and lead me into the way everlasting. God is saying today, at times we just need to get along. When God quickens our hearts and says, you know, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. You need to run to Jesus. He always is there, willing to forgive. Here we see the other side of the coin is our willingness to forgive other people. Now, here's where the rubber hits the road. We know we need forgiveness, okay, right? We all kind of can agree with that. But we come up amongst those who have really hurt us. And I want to tell you today, you could say, yeah, Jim, people may have said something about you or said something to tarnish your name or betray you or whatever it may be and all and so forth. And, and yeah, you can flip it out there and say, Lord, for, I, I forgive them and so forth and all that. But, but let me tell you, you see, you don't know how bad somebody's hurt me. You don't know how deep it cut me and wounded me. You don't know how bad that it did inflict it on my whole heart. And it's with me even to this day. See, God doesn't distinguish between any level of forgiveness. It all comes the same way. We talked about in Sunday school today about that forgiveness. And Cindy was talking about it too, about how the people come forward. Maybe they've had somebody that has taken the life of a loved one. And you maybe have seen it on TV. And they say, I forgive them. And you look and you know as much as you can see that they've truly forgiven that person. You know, the only one that suffers when you don't forgive is yourself. That person that you obviously won't forgive, they don't even know anything about it. But it will eat you up. And do you know in counseling with people, one of the first things that I will ask them is because I sense maybe God speaking and saying, bring this up, is have you forgiven somebody in your life you haven't forgiven? And sometimes, yeah, you're right, I haven't. I don't feel, I, I need to revisit that. I need to go back and revisit. You remember there the story of Matthew chapter 18. The man owed the king an enormous debt. It was way beyond anything that he could possibly pay. And when Confronted with the disastrous situation, he fell down before the king. He begged for patience. Moved with compassion, the king forgave him the debt. Y'all know the story. But after receiving such mercy, the man went out and found a person who owed him a relatively a small amount. Instead of passing on the kindness he had received, he took the man by the throat and demanded that he pay him. And when the man begged for mercy, he had him thrown into prison and listen to the way what Jesus says about this man and when the other servants saw what had happened they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened and then the master called the servant in and said you wicked servant he said I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you and in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. 
And I believe this is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of us unless we forgive our brothers sinned against us. You know, I know people out in the world can say things and do things that will hurt you. But when people in the church house hurt you, it's a different story. But it's no difference in that sense. As far as we know the portrayal and the woundedness. But he says he leaves and turns them over to the torturers. And the torture there is certainly the fact that I'm just not at peace. And something's not right. And you squirm and try to get out from under. And you can't get out from under it. Forgive those who trespass against you. It's very important here. There's a couple comments about Jesus' words there. The torture. Doctors talk about how biochemical changes occur in our system when we hold grudges here. A lot of things happen to us. And it ain't good. It ain't good. Romans 12 said, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, saith the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you'll keep burning coals over his head. Do not be overcome, do but not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Some wrongs are easier to forgive than others. We know again, there's no distinction that God makes there. All of them need to be forgiven here. And forgiveness is a choice of the will. You say, I don't feel like it. We're choosing to make it begin with stepping out and saying, I forgive you. And the feelings will come later on. I've told you before, when I come into worship, I may not feel like worshiping. A lot of things have happened and I come over and driven here and all that and the traffic and so forth and all that stuff. I come in by worshiping the Lord. Begin by singing. Begin by... The feelings will come later. The feelings come will catch up later on. Begin by forgiving. It's an act of your will. Third thing here is, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that translation there in the New King James and King James, forgive us... And, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're in a war. That should include you in right now. If Jesus had in that model there for his disciples to pray, then you and I need to know that's a vital part of our lives. We need to pray also. And when he says, don't lead us into temptation, you know, God doesn't tempt us in temptation. We know that. The devil does, okay? He won't tempt anybody. But we know that what we're asking him is don't allow me to fall into temptation. God, Father, don't let me fall in temptation today. Because temptation's always out there. It doesn't get any easier. I thought once you accepted Jesus and man, I got the seminary degree. I got all this stuff and I'm all this stuff going on and stuff. Man, it's got to be easier. I don't know about y'all. Have y'all discovered it ain't easier? Right? No. It's harder. It's harder. On The Price is Right, they have one show, one particular scene on there, one show the guy they're trying to, you know, win cars and all this kind of stuff. And here, this man, you know, y'all have seen it before, is climbing up a mountain, okay? You know that little, <laughs> he's climbing. It's the same way with us, okay? If the person gets the, the price, you know, close enough there, it only goes up one notch or two notches, whatever. And, and if it doesn't fall off the other side, then we know he gets whatever it is. A lot of times a car or whatever, right? It's kind of like we're climbing that mountain. 
we're going right on up, okay? And so it gets harder. That's why it's so important. And the reason you're here at church today, I know, it's obvious that you come in here because you, you love Jesus, okay? And you love this fellowship. You come in here, you wouldn't be here. But let me tell you today, we need to be building our faith up in one another, in the Lord, okay? Strengthen ourselves in Jesus, okay? Because I want to tell you, there's a war going on. And it seems to be intensifying as far as I can see. I was listening to a program yesterday in the car and was talking about what we see happening in our culture today. And we see things happening that may obviously parallel a lot of things that may happen, and obviously even to a larger extent in the tribulation, okay? Talking about if you're pre-trib or post-trib or uh, mid-trib, whatever it may be. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're in a war. And we've been obviously, in a way, have been protected from that for many, many years today. But let me tell you, if you put your flag up in the marketplace today that you're a Christian, be ready to be shot at. Anytime that you stick your head above the herd, be aware there could be missiles that fire against you. And we know those missiles of the devil come against us because we hold up the shield of faith that extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. But we know today other people are firing those things also. And we're in a war. Jesus is telling them, pray, don't fall into temptation. But deliver us, protect us. I've given some illustrations, kind of a, uh, what I do at times. I pray and plead. Old saints, I love the... Prayers of old saints. I look at the history and people that God has used in revival over the years and read that and all that. And these old saints plead the blood. Plead the blood of Jesus over your home. Over your family. Over whatever in your place of your living quarters. Over your cars. Over your finances. Whoever God puts before you. Plead the blood. The enemy doesn't like the blood. And deliverance, you start talking about the blood, and they screech. They don't like the blood. The blood, obviously, was given for the remission of our sins. And without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. It's powerful. You know the old hymn we sang. There's power, wonder-working power, and the precious blood of the Lamb. Right? Power in the blood. Plead the blood. Deliver us from the evil one. He's out for you and me. Like said earlier, is others that are already there. And, and he's not worried about them and all. But let me tell you, he wants you and me. He wants to stop my witness and your witness in one way or another. Because what does he do? He comes and tempts us. And see, when you begin to fool around with temptation, you begin to dabble in temptation, you begin to know you're going in a place you shouldn't go then actually what will happen is you begin to mull it around in your mind before long the enemy has got his snare hooked in you. Don't play with it. Second Corinthians is why it's so important, I'll talk about it in the future, about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. Every thought, every thought. You go, how can I do that? The Christian life is a disciplined life. It's not a life that flamboyantly we can just sort of scoot through life. If we're in a battle, we're in a war. Jesus said, be delivered from the evil one. It's very important. And that's talking to you and me. And 1 Corinthians 10, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Here. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Now, this is for the Christians. 1 Peter chapter 5, be self-controlled and alert. Watch and pray. 
your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Oh, man, that's a heads up, right? Deliver us from the evil one. Plead the blood, protect my family, protect my church, protect ones God brings to my heart and my mind. But he's roaming around, looking, just looking. Remember what happened when, jo when Joseph was uh, tempted there? Potiphar's wife. What did he do? He fleed. You resist temptation, but you flee. Get out from under. Don't go in a place that you think you'll be tempted. Because God is saying, can't take it. Some people can do this and that and so forth. And never bother them. And others, you can't go there. Got to stop it in its tracks. That's what God is saying. Take it captive. I cast it out in Jesus' name. I do not receive that thought. It just came in my mind. In Jesus' name. I take it captive. Get out in Jesus' name. And if you continue to be obviously harassed like that, that's when you may need a house cleaning. Come in and ask God to do it. Or if you need prayer, that's the reason we can pray for you. It's no, obviously, there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. Really, that shame will hang on until you deal with it. You want to be free? Let people pray for you. Come and bear it. We're not here and then go blabbing it out here in the community and beyond. This is all hell within here. You call it and call upon the name of the Lord. When you humble yourself, God is going to do something powerfully. Now, the Bible warns against our presumption, calls us to be watchful and prayerful. Remember the disciples? They were in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus going over here to pray. Well, Jesus needed to pray. You and I need to pray. I need to pray a lot more than I do. And I need to pray more, obviously, because I know Jesus prayed more. And he prayed on and on, okay? And I need it. But what did he do? He said, watch and be prayerful. Wait, watch. They fell asleep. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But anybody here, when you began to pray, that you fell asleep praying? I have. Boom, my head, boom, okay? My eyes get heavy, and I mean, it's kind of like whatever, and I can't stay awake, save my life. And I believe if I took toothpicks and propped my eyelids open, they wouldn't stay open, right? Can you feel anybody here can relate to that? Or am I the only one? Yeah, I know y'all pray at prayer warriors, okay? <laughs> boom, and I here I am. Why is that so? Why is it when you begin to pray, the telephone rings? Why is it when you begin to pray, you want to, you want to pick up that little device called your iPhone or, or whatever, Android, and you begin to look at, man, I believe somebody, somebody is texting, bam, bam, bam. Why is that? The devil can keep you and I from praying. He knows it's the most powerful weapon we have, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty and pulling down of strongholds and, and tearing down everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Right? We know that. And I... You know, we're not got guns, machine guns. We got prayer. Man, it's powerful. Try it. Pray for people and then say, Lord, I want to see the answer. Open my eyes to the answer. God will show you. And he will obviously honor those prayers. And this we're looking at actually should be, this request should be a declaration of intent. It expresses our determination not to cooperate with the kingdom of darkness. It's a commitment to holiness. And full obedience to God. Remember that always. A commitment. Declaration. Now. 
Let me get check, share with you a couple things. Oh, we're, we're gone. We're long service. Don't diminish my pay because I've gone over. If if you begin to say this, okay, let me just say it. And you say, I'll never amount to anything. And you know, I'll never be able to kick this habit or addiction. And I, I, I don't believe that God is really working in my life. I don't think he's doing anything at all. You need to obviously confess it and renounce that. Because when we make agreements with the devil, then we need to go back and confess it and renounce it. We make agreements today. And we need to confess it. I'll never do anything worth anything in God's kingdom. That's a lie. Because obviously you are dead to sin and alive to God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. You had the victory in Jesus Christ. Begin to confess the truth. Don't confess lies. Because then you make agreement. You begin, you begin to say things. And they're not what God says about you. And you begin to obviously say things. And you begin to take it on. And you begin before long. You're down in the dumps real bad. Because you've agreed with the devil. Don't agree with him. Rebuking. The Lord rebuke you in Jesus name. Right? Pray. Whatever way you do it. Pray. All hearts clear. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for your presence always. You're so awesome beyond what we can ever express. Come down, Holy Spirit. Rend the heavens. And like fire sets twigs, Lord, give fire. Burn off all this stuff. It doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Come down, Holy Spirit. Come and rest on us. Touches, changes, you're welcome. You run this place, Lord. We don't want to. We can't, don't want to. And we right now surrender all. Help us to know you as Father. And help us to relate to you, Father, always as Father. Help us not to just go through the motions. But help us, Lord, to get serious about our walk with you. We give you praise. And we pray these things. In the holy and majestic name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Don, would you help me?